0: Have a good week. Yeah. Woo, all right, sweet. This side, this side today. It's cool. Hey, man. So excited to uh, see you. Welcome to Community Covenant. Uh, hey, if you want to pull out your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke 21 this morning. Um, that's page number 875. And um, if you are here today and you don't own a Bible, that is yours uh, to take and yours is a gift uh, for you. Um, and again, we, we look into the Bible, we look into the scriptures because you need to know that I'm just not making this junk up every single week. You need we're actually wrestling with the text and we're actually uh, asking Jesus to shape our lives and uh, do a work in our hearts. I just felt like throughout that worship set, there's a really sweet spirit of the Lord in here today. And uh, I'm asking that God just does something in us in a way that, that changes us as a church and changes us as people. Um, so we're looking forward to seeing all that the Lord's going to do. Um, uh, Luke 21, we're, gonna, we're in a series called uh, I Have a Friend Who, and today we're talking through uh, a, our friends that might need some financial stability and really what the Bible uh, mentions and talks about that. Um, and so we're going to be looking at the text. But um, what if there is one prayer that could change everything about the way that you look at your money? Like just one, just one prayer. Like I don't know if you came in here today and everything about your money is a, could be in excellent shape and really strong and you're really pumped about it, maybe the first time in a long time or maybe the first time ever. Um, or maybe for you that you're just coming in here you're kind of like, oh, I'm hoping I can kind of keep all the holes plugged and kind of keep everything together that I need to keep together. But what if there's one prayer that kind of could change the entire Uh, Trajectory and the entire perspective that you have regarding your money, Um, and and for me, that prayer um, for me in our family is, God, how much do I get to keep this year? God, how much do I get to keep this year? What what percentage of my money um, is mine? And let me tell you why this completely changes everything about the way that you look at your money. Oftentimes, we move into our finances thinking. This is mine. This is mine. This money is mine. And really what the Bible teaches is that we are not owners of anything, but we're stewards of everything. That God owns it all. Like it's his stuff, whether it's our hearts or our stuff or it's our people and our friends and our relationships, whatever it is, that God owns it all. And he's asked us as his image bearers on earth to steward it, to kind of like watch out for it while he's gone. Have you ever had someone watch your house while you were gone on vacation? Maybe, yes, so no, maybe not. And, uh, and so when, when you go away on your vacation, you say, okay, hey, you just make sure you take care of the dog and make sure you take care of this sort of thing. You kind of make sure you feed the fish. And so I, I had one friend that, that was watching someone's house and they had this fish that was alive for 21 years, right? Like so long, right? And we all know it's coming next, right? <laughs> That's awesome, isn't it? Like, it's so cool. Like, the fish. So the kid, it was like almost like, a, you know, like the cat that never dies, right? You're know, like, it's just, would you just go away, please? Right? This, this fish just is alive. And the day they leave, they come in to go feed the fish. Guess who's floating at the top? Little Nemo is floating at the top. What do you do with Nemo for a week now that like, you just kind of leave him there? The fish, I don't know what to So anyway, they, they, <laughs> my friend ended up putting him in the freezer <laughs> for a little bit, kind of letting it, but, but, but it's kind of like, all right, this, this, is, this is your to watch out. The you know, friend felt totally embarrassed, obviously, completely like, this is my responsibility. I had one job to do to keep, keep alive the family fish. And it was, she decided that was the time to go that week. And, and, and so, but, but it's almost like this idea that God's given you some stuff to watch over for his glory. He's given it to you for you to enjoy, but he's asked you to like, hey, could you watch this for me for a while? I'm gonna come back and put everything back together again, but could you watch this for me? And so the question that you have to approach your money with every single week, every single month, And every single year is really the question, God, what percent do I get to keep of your money this year? And something's going to radically change. It's going to change you from an owner to a steward. It's going to change you from just a person to a disciple. It's really what he's doing is you're answering the question, who is Lord over your heart? It's ultimately the question that you're asking when you pray this prayer. It's a really bold prayer. It's a really dangerous prayer over times. But ultimately, God's gonna shift your perspective from owner to steward when I say, God, how much do I get to keep of your money this year? There's a story in the Bible in Luke 21. If you wanna go there, um, you're watching your phones or you can uh, follow along in the the scriptures here. Um, But Luke 21 talks about this little tiny verse that I, I just love this text. But Jesus tells a story. Verse 1, Luke 21, he says this, While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given it more than the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. And so this, this, this text here verse, in verse two, when it says two small coins, it's, it's the coin lepta. It's a Jewish coin. It literally was like less than a penny. That's all she had. It's like they kind of scraped together a couple pennies and, and kind of gave over. It was this massive thing. But, but what is Jesus looking at when he's looking at this text? What is he looking at when he's looking at this text? Is he looking at the amount of money that he's looking at? No. No, because obviously two small coins in comparison to the Pharisees and the rulers, you know, thousands most likely. What's he looking at? He's looking at the heart and the percentage that she's giving, right? right to her, that would have been 98% of all that she had. She had given everything that she had. But for them, that could have been two, one, maybe even less than 1%. She's looking at the difference there ultimately driven by a heart that's changed by Christ. And so this morning, if you're in here saying say, my life has been changed, what will eventually pull out of that and flow out of that is this desire to be obedient and this desire to be faithful, but this desire to be a steward of the money that God has entrusted to you to live. And so you see this widow, she's just in her Whole heart pouring out praise, lavishing upon the praise to the king, this amount of money. So, you know, today, today we struggle with this. In, in all church world, all together, we struggle with this. The average person in America makes about $46,000 a year. Um, the, the average nonprofit gift is about 3,000 to Protestant churches. Uh, 3,000, that's about 6%. The average church member gives about 2%, and it kind of trails off from there. When you look at this kind of engagement there, you, you say, okay, Jesus, you are my king, you are my joy, you are my life, you are the one that changed me. And what will come out of a heart that, that is ultimately changed by Christ is this desire to be stewards of the money he's entrusted. To us, And so today, what I wanted to do is, is go through just five quick principles for stewardship. Not ownership, not generosity. Jesus provides this idea to be generous. But five ways that you should be stewarding your money according to the text. And, and, and last week, we, we, we talked through relationships. We used Song of Solomon. Today, I'm going to be using a lot of Proverbs. Because what Jesus, again, he wants us to do, he wants our relationships to be healthy. He wants our... Uh, he wants our life to be lived well, so he gives us this wisdom literature to really to really di- help us dive into this this text uh, di- dive into this idea so that we can become more like him so real quick, five ways that I think we could be stewards of the money god 's entrusted to us and when you 're talking with your friends, this idea here is really interesting and intriguing is is that you can be a, a help in providing a framework to say. Is it your stuff? Is it your stuff? That support, that fuel, you'll be able to engage with in a major way. So real fast, five priorities for stewardship. Number one is to tithe the first 10%. When you tithe the first 10%, you know what you're doing to God? You're saying you own it all. That's it. You, no one else has this. You have my heart and you have my stuff. You are the owner of it all and I am making that statement to you when I give the first 10% of my income. That, that's, a, that's a principle talk throughout scripture. It's wrestled with in the New Testament. People you know, mention this all the time. But you say, I'm gonna give my first 10%. When you hear the stories of people that say, I'm gonna do this for the first time. I'm gonna do this for the first time and let it, like I literally change everything about the way that I see my money. When I do that the first time, God will change me. This is what Malachi chapter three says about this. It's really uh, an intriguing uh, verse. It says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. The word tithe simply just means 10%. "If If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. How, how can God be so bold with this text? Right, when you're reading, you're like, God, you want me to test you? You want me to test you? Later on in the, in the, in the Bible, he says, don't put the, you shouldn't put the Lord your God to this. this moment here, he's saying, put me to the test, Try it and see that I don't bless you in ways that changes everything about it. We spent a long time on this in the fall. About five weeks, we, we look at the, the idea of money and, and giving and generosity and stewardship in the Bible um, uh, through a series called Don't Say That in Church. And if, you wanna, if you're wrestling with this concept at all, man, I'd, I'd just encourage you to go look at, um, look at that series and, and, and move through those weeks. We spent a bunch of time on it. Um, but but the, the, the thing that we took away from this and the way that this text kind of informs everything that we have about money is this simple phrase that you can't outgive God. You can't do it. And if anyone's in here that has this story you know you can't. You know it. Because you'll say it in your testimony. You'll say it'll be, become part of your testimony. When, when my wife and I first started doing this whole tithe thing, we we're like, hey, uh, let's, let's give it a shot. Let's, let's try it out. I mean, and then moment by moment by moment, the Lord was faithful to make money just work itself out. Now, that does, sometimes you need a miracle in life. Sometimes you needed some management, right? Like sometimes we pray for miracles and God's like, you should probably manage it a little bit better and that'll be your own miracle. And that was our story, right? And he, you know, like he, kind of the thing that we needed to do, we needed to manage it differently. And we, so, we, so we started working on that and God literally began to change the way our, our, we related to our own money. But sometimes the story is this. People say, but you know what, Pastor? Jesus never talks about this in the New Testament. That means we don't have to do it. And you're like, ah, oh, all right, sweet. Except the one time he did, right? So we have to look at that in Matthew 23. He says this. This is Jesus talking to different teachers of the law, um, the, the, the kind of the pastors of the day. He says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. And so that's our story here at the church where we say, hey, look, the way that we engage with this is we start at the tithe. And that we pray that God would make this a most abundant type of ministry. That God would be able to show his glory, spread out his fragrance in our communities, and begin to see the world changed." By Christ. And so that's a prayer that we engage with multiple times throughout all of that. Even Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 talks through this. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. You know what the hardest part about these texts are, though? It's response to action. And that action is is the most difficult part of this whole teaching. That action is the most difficult part of this whole teaching, to to be able to look at the 100% and say, you know what, I'm not just, God just doesn't own 10% of it, he owns the entire 100%. And so the, you know what the, 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 the blessing is? God, I can't believe you let me keep 90. Really, you let me keep 90 to live on? Like, that's incredible. But if you look at just all of it, you're gonna, if, you, if all of it belongs to you, you're going to scour over that 10%. You're gonna say, Temp, you want how much of my money? You want 10%? Like, I wouldn't even buy a car for that much. Like, no, no, no. But you're looking at it wrong. The entire thing is God's. And you're grateful for the 90 when actually God gives it to you when God says, you know what, this this heart that's gonna change in you, I'm gonna now be grateful for the fact that you've given me so much. And this 10%, okay, hey, I'll give it back. That's fine. And so the first thing that you gotta spend time on when you're looking at this idea of, of financial stability is who owns your stuff? If you own it, there's going to be a spirit of, uh, there's going to be a, just a spirit of cynicism, a spirit of, uh, of, of really being tight with it, really not being grateful about much of it. But you talk to someone who just divorces themselves from the idea that they own their stuff, that God owns it and we steward it, you'll talk to a truly gracious person, someone with gratitude, someone with joy, because they're not looking at the bottom line every single day hoping that it stays that way but that God will give them freedom to live generously, and we'll get to that later. But you have to start with this idea. Who owns your stuff? And you have to announce that by that way. So that's why, that's why we often want to help you do that. That's, we, we, this isn't something that we're, we, 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 don't, we don't do this like four, four or five times a year just to raise money. We're not, we're not trying to raise a budget. We're trying to steward people. And so when we talk about this, we're trying to pastor to say, hey, you, you want to know the best way to have like a, the best finances in the world? Believe that you don't own it and be grateful that God has given you as much as he has. And we start there and we allow God to begin to move his way throughout our finances. Jesus talks about this stuff over 2,000 verses. The next, the next, the next two, over 2,000 verses in the Bible, the next one after that's like, Maybe the gospel, maybe, the, maybe heaven is like in the three 400 verses. I mean, he just blows it away. It would be like us preaching a sermon on money every three weeks at church. Everyone's like, thank God you don't do that because this is hard, you know. But, but you say, no, it would be like me preaching every three weeks on the concept that you don't own your stuff because someone deep down, Jesus believed that, that, that God owned it all. And so the first thing you got to do is proclaim that you don't own it, that you're a steward of God's stuff, that you're made in his image, and that he truly is king and Lord over all. So you start with the tithe. Number two, you budget the remaining 90, and everyone's like, this is where we fail, right? Everyone says, budget stuff? What do you mean, budget stuff? And and, you know, my wife and I, we wax and wane on budgets. And there's some people that are just really, really excellent. Some people that's just kind of moved throughout all of it. But if you budget 90, what it does is creates margin. You want to you want to feel rich over the next two months. Create margin in your finances, right? That's 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 the idea. When every dollar is called for, everything when you start to Strip things away and say, "Yeah, I don't really need that. I don't really pursue. that. I shouldn't really pursue that. Oh man, I didn't think about that for these four purchases, and all of a sudden now it's like three hundred dollars that came out of my bank account. When when you start to do all that and you eliminate all of that, all of a sudden now you're like, man, 'Man, I'm rich. I feel like I feel like a one percenter right here now.' It's because like I budgeted the other ninety. Uh, it's something just to be thoughtful and intentional with that. Everyone's like, 'Oh, we we know the budget talk, Pastor. We know my parents have been giving it to me forever.' Like. It, it, but, but it's amazing how fast we just simply, hey, you know what, we make so much money and bills just kind of come in and out and we don't really have an intention. But if God has asked you to look over his stuff, would you watch it as closely as you do if you believed it wasn't yours? If you saying okay, you got to look at this. You got to be careful. Okay, hey, like, make sure the dog stays alive, right? That's what you want to make sure. Like, don't kill the fish the first day. want well, you're going to stare at it probably. You're going to look at it. You're going to make sure. You're going to scour over it. You're going to be intentional about every dollar because it's not yours. If that change, that shift happens in your perspective, the budgeting is going to change entirely. And so you're going to, okay, God, what is this sort of thing? How are we engaging with this? What should we do? And so you begin to budget. Proverbs, again, it chats about this, where he starts to talk through looking at different ideas. But Proverbs 21 is, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. I love Proverbs because it just makes you feel stupid, doesn't it? You're like, all right. Thanks, thanks, Bible. Appreciate that. But it says, fools spend whatever they get. And so Depending on where we're at in our life, this is, this this text gets easier or harder, right? It's just like sometimes they're like I don't I, like I feel that I feel like I just can't get ahead of this, or maybe I just feel like I can't engage with this. But but you say, okay, be careful, be intentional with the way that you spend the remaining money, not because it's just wise to do that, but it's simply because who owns your stuff? Who owns it? And does your budget? show that not maybe not just what you spend your money on we'll get again we'll get to that later but really the idea of do you have an idea of where it goes the rest of it is this idea that God owns it if God owns it and asks you to watch over it and trust it you're going to be careful about where it goes And so the first thing you do is you you tithe 10%. Next thing you do is you budget the 90. Third thing you do is save $1,000. Just save $1,000. Everyone's like, $1,000? If I had $1,000 in the bank account, that'd be incredible. Save $1,000. For some of you, this might change. This might not be save $1,000. It might be save 10%. It might be save 10%. Okay, you got maybe tithe your first 10%, save your next 10, and then budget the other 80%. Maybe there's different ideas the way you can just, but the idea that you have to start to move some stuff into another direction so that you can begin to see some margin in the way that you handle your money. One of the major things that people bring to churches a lot of times is say, I just can't get ahead of my finances. I just can't get ahead of my finances. And a lot of times it's this concept of, of money. It's this concept of margin and whether or not we're actually engaging on that. You're like, okay, I know this. This is the most boring Sunday in the whole world to come to. I know everyone's, I, I already know all this stuff. Then where's your heart? Where's your heart? Man, my heart sometimes just gets so divorced from the way I spend my money. Does it, doesn't it for you? It just becomes another thing. Man, it's something that God, God has given us. Like, when you say, God, give, it, give us a sign that you're alive. God, give us a sign that you like working in the world. He's given it to you. And it's the one thing that we overlook more than anything else. And so we begin to see that again. Proverbs 27 gives us this really awesome text on this. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. The difference between shooting from the hip or not. And this thing, just save $1,000. Save a 1000 and begin to work on that. Number four, number four, if you want to have a priority for stewardship, number four is to start to attack debt. Start to attack debt. Now, look, I came from the person, I I told this story a a few months ago. For me, when I was 18 years old, I was 18 and literally nine hours old, okay? And I needed to go to college in three weeks. I said, I need to figure something out here. And so I was online, I filled out an application, and within, when I, by the time I was 18, nine hours and 30 like, minutes old, I was 14 grand in debt for school. Like, That's like highway robbery, right? It's <laughs> just someone, someone who's in school. This is just highway robbery. You just give an 18-year-old that much money with no big deal, like no big deal. And what ends up happening is things start to begin to, you, you get enslaved to certain things in different ways. Now, ever since then, what I, what I had to do, I said, God, you own school for me. You own all of that. We're going to work together to get, get all this. I know you provide. Thank God you own the cattle on a 1,000 hills because I don't own even a cattle at this point, let alone the hill. And so, like, we, we need to figure that. But, but what I ended up doing is, is saying, God, you, just, you own it. You, know, you will provide for that. What was the dumb part is the, is the way I spent around that money. And so when the time called for me to actually pay off that debt, that's when I was like, oh, crap, I got a budget. <laughs> I got to figure out how to get this thing going. And so sometimes it's not just the mortgage or the student loan, but it's all the ways that we spend around that. Are, we tra- are you tracking with me on that? Are we tra- It's like all the dumb debt. You're like, I did, probably didn't need that. Or I probably needed to spend like that. But it's all this the debt that's around that. When you eliminate that, sometimes if if you if you have this in your life, you struggle or you struggle with this at, at, at all, sometimes it could be in the realm of two, three, four hundred dollars a month, and, and God help us, sometimes even more than that. But it's not just the, the mortgage payment itself, it's not just the student loan. That's some, some of those things you can kind of, you know, kind of normal. Uh, what I'm talking about is get rid of the stuff that you just don't need anymore. Attack it. Like, become, like, very frivolous about getting rid of it so that you can, I mean, think about it. What could you do with the money that you spend on a credit card payment every single month? What could you do with the money that goes to some other type of debt that just, you know you need to get rid of, you've been kind of hanging on to it for a while, but you maybe just need someone to come, come on, let's go, let's get, let's get rid of this. this. is, again, Proverbs talks about this in a, in a pretty cool way in chapter 6, he talks about this attack, this attentional move. He says that, he says, my child if you have put up security for a friend's debt or agreed to guarantee the debt of a stranger, if you have trapped yourself by your agreement and are caught by what you said, followed my advice and save yourself. Save yourself like a gazelle escaping from a hunter, like a bird fleeing from a net. Gazelle's a super fast animal. You just, no, get rid of it. Get rid of it. You know what, that could take a year. That could take two years. But you say, you know what, I'm going to take that extra $50. I'm going to take an extra. But get rid of it. Free yourself like a gazelle. That's the, the wisdom of the Bible. Get rid of it. So to attack the stuff that you have. So that you can continue to see freedom. And so you do all of these four things. You say, okay, I'm going to give my first 10% because that's the acknowledgement of the way that Jesus is Lord over my life. If I don't give that first 10%, I'm really wrestling not with whether I own my stuff, but whether Jesus is king. He says, start there. I want Jesus to be king, so I'm going to give that first 10%. Second thing, I'm going to budget the other 90. Third thing I'm going to do, I'm going to save $1,000 and maybe for some of you save 10%, maybe even more than that for some of you. And then from there, I'm going to start to attack the debt that I'm going to be able to do. But number five, what Jesus, I think, wants for all of us is to live generously. Is the freedom that comes when you get out of something like this is to begin to live generously. Now, now maybe for you, you're like, all right, I got number one. You're, you're kind of looking at this a little bit more like a law, right? You say, I got number one. Two, I knock out of the park every single week. Three, done. Bingo, got it, like nailing it. I'm even saving 12%. How about that? Number four, I, had to, I, don't, I, don't, I don't owe anything. I just got my mortgage, no big deal. But number five, what does number five look like for you? Like living in a way that says, okay, God, you own my stuff, and so money's just gonna come in and out of my hands because I actually don't own it. So, okay, God, you want, to, you want me to give $150 to who? Who do you need me to do that to today? Okay, God, you need me to pay whose electric bill? Okay, who's who's that? Who do you want me to do that for? Oh, someone's struggling with this over here. How much money do you want me to give them? I'll, I'll I'll give it that much. What do you want me to do with your money? Live with freedom, with generosity, this idea of philanthropy or maybe this idea of just serving and honoring people. How much could you do with all of this freedom that you do just kind of give and live generously? A lot of times we don't get to number five because what we do is we just kind of lose sight of the first four. How hard is it to be mundane with the first four? Isn't it, Isn't it just difficult? I mean, number one sometimes is just hard, week in, week out, to see the money kind of coming in and out. The way my wife and I tithe, we tithe just online recurring. It's a structure for us. It's like an external structure for us because it's, we have a desire. We had a difficult time starting. So we said, you know what? It just needs to come out of our money. We need to figure it out. And so we started doing online recurring, you can just set up through the church. And, and so it comes out every single Friday. It just comes out because we want to make sure that structure is there. But that, mon- that, that monotony, a lot of the times, can just cause us to separate from that mundane. So we kind of lose sight of it. It kind of falls away, falls to the wayside, and we end up in a place where, like, okay, we're just really struggling with the first four. But what's number five for you? What's number five for you? They'll say, I'm going to take an extra $40 a month, I'm going to sponsor a kid. Or I want it to someone I know, and I actually gave them, I gave them their electric bill this month. You want to talk about missional stories? If you want to talk about missional stories, try that. Try that. A friend of mine went to McDonald's, sitting, like literally in line, we're in college, we're 19 years old. In college, he says, I think the Lord wants me to give this person $140. And I was like, Phew glad he's talking to you, bro. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I just wanted a $4 hamburger and you're gonna, you're gonna walk out here 150 bucks, right? He's like, I think this person wants me to give you 140 bucks. So he goes to the ATM, grabs 140 bucks, comes back and says, buys his meal, does his thing. Says, hey, by the way, I believe the Lord wants me to give you this money. And she's like, how much money is right? And she, 140 bucks. I am $140 short of my rent payment this month. Oh, tears, salvations, joys, stuff like that. Because you know what? You want You want to talk about mission? Church, listen to me. Look at me. This is, I believe someone needs to hear this today. You want to talk about mission? You feel like Jesus is stale? Obey him. Obey him. Get up on your toes, put him to the test, and obey him. Do this. It'll mess you up. It'll mess you up. You want to talk, you want to feel, you want to, okay, just Jesus, I don't know, maybe you're here today, maybe you're not. You want to feel like Jesus is working in your life? Obey Him. Pay for the person behind you. Like, oh, that's cute. That's cute. Try it. It's awkward. No, 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 no. Have you like you feel so awkward you can't even like, say the phrase? Like, no, don't pay for me. Like, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, just let me pay for it. By the way, Jesus loves you, we're praying for you. You want to you wanna be at that point? Obey him. And Jesus will begin to change everything that you have about your money. And so if you, have, if you have a friend that needs some of that, this is a framework that begins to pursue not just peace, but peace based off Jesus and the gospel. So today, we have a friend, um, her name is Sally Thayer, and uh, my wife, Connie, is going to interview her, tell her story about this, because she kind of moved through this same sort of movement. She started from one side, walked, worked her way through the next, as she began to structure what Jesus was doing on the inside of her, um, and so today, Sally is going to share her story.
1: Morning, guys. Um so we're excited to have Sally, like Brennan said she ran our financial peace university class, right yep. so that finished up and they had great success with that. and so she has quite the journey of coming around how she stewards money and how kind of how God shaped her heart in it. so we're looking forward to hearing from you. I don't know if you can just start with giving us context of your story and a little bit of background of kind of what brought you to to love budgeting if that's even possible. <laughs> it's very possible um,
2: for me. Um, Financial stability is, is kind of everything. It's, um, it, it gives me peace, and if I don't have it, it's, um, I, I just don't feel good. And um, growing up, uh, we were very fortunate. Um, I didn't have to worry about money. Um, you know, we weren't super wealthy, but I, just, I never really thought about it. My parents paid for um, our needs. There was no um, fear or worry there. And um, however, they didn't teach us to manage money. It wasn't uh, like they were showing us how to budget. We weren't learning that in school. And um, so I just kind of expected that um, magically I would live the same way. (laughs) And uh, the money would just be there and you can pay for everything. Um, But as we well know, it doesn't work out that way. Um, And so I ended up um, marrying a man that um, had probably worse financial skills than I did and we were kind of the blind leading the blind and um, so his idea of um, paying bills was waiting for the uh, the envelope with the red stamp on it, final notice, um, or getting a call from a creditor saying, um, you know, we're taking this back if you don't mm-hmm. pay by... and then, oh yeah, let's, let's pay that. And um, so I just never knew um, what money was coming in um, we had absolutely no plan, yeah. um, didn't talk about it, and um, it was just really a stressful way to live. Um, eight years into our marriage, he actually saw uh, Dave Ramsey on 60 Minutes and bought the book, um, came home, he's like, I want you to read this too, and I was thrilled. Here, my God, we're gonna have a plan, this is great, we can actually work on something together, and um, so we followed it uh, step by step. Um, steps one through four. So we paid off debt and we um, got an emergency fund and again, it was the first time I really felt like we were working towards something together. Mm -hmm. And um, there wasn't that stress of not having money to pay for things and it was great. Um, Unfortunately, we went uh, right from step four to step seven, skipping a couple important ones in between. And um, that was kind of the beginning of the end. Um, But uh, after our, we were divorced, um, things were a little bit easier for me because it was just me and the kids, and I knew um, what was coming in, and I was able to kind of be better organized about it, and I knew I didn't want to live that way. Um, however, it was just me and the kids, and um, so I, you know, I was living paycheck to paycheck and really living with that burden of, um, if anything goes wrong at this point, everything's going to come crashing down, right. and uh, it, living that way is, um, it's exhausting.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> so, um, what was kind of that turning point then, where you felt like, okay, God, I really need to do this, I need to steward what you've given me, and I need to make a change, because mm-hmm. living paycheck to paycheck has become exhausting, yeah. you know?
2: Yeah, yep. Um, I was constantly looking for, um, you know, I knew I had to work full-time, but Mm -hmm. I was always thinking, okay, how can I make some extra money? Um, Business ideas are coming and going, and um, I was listening to different podcasts, and one day kind of stumbled across Mm -hmm. um, the Dave Ramsey podcast, and I was like, oh, I remember that from way back when, and it it really had worked. Um, So I started listening to that on the way to and from work, and really very quickly um, was like, I can do this and I want to do this and um, it was it's just a simple plan um, and you have visible tangible results like immediately Mm -hmm. and so those little um, you know goals and reaching them um, just gets you inspired and um, so I became that gazelle it was uh, Dave Ramsey calls Mm -hmm. it gazelle intensity where you're running for your life and you are just so focused and um I remember getting um, pulled over for not completely stopping at a stop sign, and um, as I'm watching the police officer come around, all I can think is, I did not budget for this ticket, (laughs) (laughs) and this is definitely going to throw this month off.
1: (laughs) We're glad you weren't budgeting for tickets. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, from you making those changes and starting to budget, what... I know sometimes when we hear budget, we think it's restricting. Mm -hmm. What did that, what kind of freedom did that give you um, from doing that?
2: Um, Well, I was able to, I didn't have a ton of debt, but again, I was always just living on the brink. And um, so I paid off the debt that I had and then um, started accumulating an emergency fund, which kind of gave me a a safety net. And, um, And it just gave me the freedom to, when... Something goes wrong, which it's always going to. Something is mm-hmm. going to come up. You're going to get a setback. Um, and I did have a significant one where I lost um, a good amount of my um, cash flow. Um, but I didn't panic. It's one mm-hmm. of those things where um, in years before I would have said, oh, my God, we have to sell the house. We just um, you know, get out, yeah. get out now. And I was able to just kind of um, say, okay, I can you know, have an emergency fund. Mm-hmm. Um, we can get through this. Um, Realign the budget and pray about it and and then come to the right decision to make for the family not um, shooting from the hip and, and panicking yeah. um, and Then the, probably the most important thing though that I learned um, is that I I want to be that generous person mm-hmm. um, And I'm, I'm working towards that I want to um, to be giving and generous in time and spirit and money and um, the journey of doing this financial plan um, has shown me that I want to do it, but it's also taught me how to do it. I think I always thought that I didn't have enough to give, and, um, and I guess I was selfish with what I did have. Mm-hmm. And um, so doing the plan and doing that budget has um, given me money to be able to, um, to give. So I, I started giving time to the Just One Lunch ministry, and I love being a part of that. And then, um, you know, little baby steps. I, Every time I um, tip somebody, um, I remember what it was like to get a tip and, you know, an extra dollar, an extra $2 was everything. And um, and so I was always generous in tipping, but now I, um, if I start to question, oh, should I, did they do a good enough job? Should I give that extra dollar? And then I make myself give, um, you know, two or three or yeah. five more. Um, and then with the... Um, series that the church did um, I started tithing this year and um, and that's a work in progress for me yeah. um, I'm not at the point yet where I can just have it automatically come out at the beginning of the month I'm yeah. kind of like All right, I can get to the end of the month and then and then yeah. do it um, so that's been hard but I'm working on it and I'm committed to it and, yeah. and I want to do it
1: yeah um, lastly how do you feel like God is redeeming your story like you've given us glimpses of your stories and I'm sure there's more ups and downs in it than we've seen today. But how do you believe he's redeeming your story so you can then go and help others?
2: Um, well, it's given me such a sense of peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to share that with everybody and just say, you can do this mm-hmm. um, regardless of your situation. You could be, you know, fine, but need to make some progress on something, or you could be just completely. Um, Feeling desperate and um, like you have no place to go. And so there's that, um, I just want everybody to know that you can do it. And yeah. um, my advice is um, twofold. Uh, the first is um, you need contentment. You need um, to know that um, you have everything that you need mm-hmm. and you need to be content with that at this point because there's always, excuse me, there's always going to be um, a new car a new phone, mm-hmm. uh, the spring wardrobe, i got to go get new clothes, the kids all need new clothes. And really, they don't, and we don't, and um, being in financial hardship isn't the time to, to buy that. And then um, the other thing is um, that you need your why. You need to know um, mm-hmm. what's driving you and, and have that goal, and let that goal um, give you the intensity that you need and the, um, the drive to, to do it. And once you have your goal, um, you know, you need a plan, like if you're going to train for a marathon or lose weight or study for exams, um, you need to have a plan mm-hmm. to make that happen. And Dave Ramsey um, always says, you can stumble into debt, but you can't stumble out. Mm-hmm. And that's why you talk about the budget. And, um, and I do my budget every single month, and I always will. And I probably look at it every single day. and Because, um, you know, it's, it's changes. Things come up, and... Um, but it, it really gives you, um, it's not restricting, it gives you the freedom to say, okay, this is uh, the money that God has given me, how am I going to be intentional about it, and where is it going to go? And then the budget tells you where it's going to go and when you can spend it, and it's, um, it's liberating.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, Sally. We really appreciate you sharing with us everything. I love what you said about contentment because I think we live in a culture that always says we need more. We don't have enough. We're not enough. You don't have enough. Mm -hmm. So I think that was a great point. So um, let's just take a minute to pray for Sally as we close out. She's been a great um, asset to the church and leading us in this. So I just want to take the time to pray for her. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for Sally. We thank you for her leadership in the church and just um, her vulnerability today to share with us her struggles and her victories um, to help steward money like you asked us to steward, um, and to um, remind us how you actually can live more free and more graciously towards others when we manage our money the way you designed it. Lord, we just thank you for that, and we just pray a blessing on Sally. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Stewardship A steward is defined as a manager, a treasurer, or one who takes care of the master's business until he returns. When we make the commitment to follow Christ, we become stewards in his kingdom, managers of the resources that God grants to us. Psalms 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and the faithfulness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. When we understand that everything belongs to God and that we are appointed to manage his resources, ownership ends and stewardship begins. So what are we actually stewards of? God grants everyone different amounts of resources to use, but we all have the ability to use what we have to enhance the kingdom. There are things like our time, talents, our bodies, the gospel, opportunities, our finances, and much more. Imagine that you stored your resources in a bucket. At any time, you can add to and take away for various things. When you get paid or have a day off, you put those resources in your bucket. Perhaps you have to pay some bills or you want to buy someone lunch. Some will have to be taken out. Either way, there is a supply and demand. When we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, though, a new source comes into play. We no longer own the bucket. We no longer own the resources. We do, however, have access to them and decide how to use them. We are now stewards. Imagine all the amazing things we can do now. Think of all the people we could bless and all the ministries that could flourish. God's love could infiltrate every facet of our lives. Unfortunately, things don't always play out that way. We have a natural tendency to revert back to an ownership viewpoint over these resources that we're blessed with. The common misconception is, I earn this, I deserve this, this is mine. This mindset puts a lid on our bucket. We shut God out. This is the basis of poor stewardship. Now that's not to say that you can't still do great things with what you have, but you have removed God from the system and now have some resources being wasted we aren't able to fully utilize all of God's blessings. We cannot serve two masters. On the contrary, however, when we remove the lid and submit fully to serving the Lord in every aspect of our lives, the dynamic of stewardship changes drastically. Our God is not a thief. These offerings, tithes, and sacrifices that we give to him are going to be blessed and used in amazing ways to transform lives for the kingdom. He uses ordinary people to become extraordinary in a broken world that needs a foundation of love. By offering ourselves completely to his will, we allow the Holy Spirit to work transparently through us in a powerful way. Lives will be changed, miracles will happen, and ultimately broken people can learn that they are sons and daughters of a loving God. We will become great stewards. Our buckets will always be changing. In some cases, they will be empty and others that will overflow. In all cases, God will use us to do incredible things. Stewardship is a choice. Let's choose God.
0: So I'd say, who's in your bucket? Who owns your bucket? When you have a When you have a a whole life that's based off this idea that Jesus is king and that he's good, who owns it? What I love about generosity, what I love about giving, what I love about stewardship, what I love about all of this is that it's not based off us. It's based off Jesus. Because what Jesus did, he saw when things were down, when things were dead, when things were empty... He pursued you. So this whole thing is based off the gospel. It's not based off this good idea, this, oh, let's, let's do this whole, let's do this fun idea that we have. The gospel will change you to become a person that, that looks at your bucket and says, it's not mine. When you put your faith in Jesus, he didn't just settle your account. He took your account from you and said, you don't have an account anymore, it's my account that you get. That's what being saved by faith is all about. So the question is, whose bucket do you have today? Are you hold on to it? you say, okay, no, no, this is it. This is mine. I'm going to cause feedback. Or do you say today, this could be the most... The biggest step of faith that some of you in here take this year, say, Jesus, you own the bucket. You own it. Take it. What do you you want to do with it this year? And I believe if you could do that, you'd be making one of the biggest statements about who actually is the Lord over your life. Sometimes we give them our time. Sometimes we give them the way we do things. But some of the last things that we do is we hold on to our bank account. We say, God, you can't have this yet. You can't have it. And he's saying, okay, because that's when most of my blessing will come. God, you can have it all. Not just 90%, but you can have the whole thing. You'll begin to change us from there. Jesus, let us, let us acknowledge that you own it all. Everything is yours under the sun. And that you've entrusted us as your image bearers to be your representatives on earth, to give you glory, to get joy simply because we live a life that's designed by you. And that you live, that you designed the best life that we could live. So God, I pray today that you challenge us to do this with our money. Challenge us to do it this way, God. I look forward to thanking you for it. In your awesome name we pray, amen.